God, as we learn and we take delight in learning more about who you are, your character, and your essence. Uh, thank you for this time. And pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, City Light. How y'all doing? I hope that you are hanging in there. Uh, have a great uh, word this morning from Jesus through Luke. We'll be back in Luke this morning. So if you want to go ahead and open your Bible to Luke chapter 20 and 21, just kind of hold both of those chapters there. Uh, that's where we're going to be jumping in as we prepare to celebrate Easter uh, and the resurrection of Jesus and to do so in the most unique way that churches have done so uh, by prioritizing it online. So uh, what I want to do real quick, though, is share about yes, share about the other day when we were uh, serving together and how amazing of an experience that was. I believe that was Wednesday uh, when we had an awesome night making deliveries to local homes. We partnered with Mark's Pub. Uh, we ended up serving 76 different families. We fed 300 people and delivered 270 meals. Uh, and we did all of that and we still had more volunteers, more servant leaders, more people wanting to help than actual families to serve. Uh, so in the midst of a crisis, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of trouble all around us, uh, you guys, City Light, I'm just so I'm just so thankful, and I'm just so like thankful I get to serve with you. Uh, Y'all just rose up as you have been these last several weeks, as you have been since we started this church, uh, and said, hey, now's the time. As we said for a few weeks, it's not a time for panic but purpose, and that this is not an obstacle but an opportunity for us to really rise up, for the church to be the church, and for us to reap a great harvest partnering with King Jesus and what he's going to do in the lives of these families. We were getting like text, emails, story after story of families that got connected, heard the gospel, were encouraged or whatever it might be. Uh, it just so that night was incredibly encouraging to me. And also it was good just to be out. And we did it as safe as possible. We followed all the rules. Uh, everybody was in their car. If you were there, you know, it was like a little drive-through, uh, like Chick-fil-A drive-through line. Uh, and we picked up the local food and gave it to local families. Uh, and so we're going to do that again this Wednesday. So same thing. Same game plan, same everything. See what the Lord continues to do through it. But it was an amazing opportunity. God did a, a hundred million things. So great to see what the Lord did. They even had Channel 4 News come out. So I don't know if anybody saw it. I didn't see it. I don't even know if it went, ended up on the news. Uh, but they came out uh, to check out what God was doing there. And so it's just really cool to see the Lord opening doors. And so once again, this is just a reminder. This doesn't take away our problems and this doesn't make everything great. But what this is, is saying this is what God's doing in the midst of this. So uh, obviously all of us are struggling at different levels based off our personal experience with this crisis and how it's affecting us individually, how it's affecting our families and communities, and that's causing a lot of stress, reasonably so. At the same time, though, I want you to see what we talked about last week. We see the unseen, and we're seeing God opening doors. We're seeing God give access to people so that they can hear the gospel. Uh, we're seeing story after story of people saying, oh, man, that's what the church really does. Like those of you who are on the Zoom call on Monday, Mike was sharing that story about delivering uh, food to a local family. He walked by a bunch of teenagers hanging out uh, who didn't like the church. Well, not our church, just any church. They didn't like the church in general. Uh, but they were surprised to see someone from a church actually helping somebody. Uh, and so that opened the door for the gospel. And that little snippet 
happens time and 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 time again. Uh, and so just be encouraged, man. God is opening doors. God is doing amazing kingdom work. He's doing it through you. He's doing it through us. And that in the midst of the crisis and the times that are ahead and the things that are really difficult, God is working and God is doing really important things. And so let's continue to join him in that. Also, this Saturday, I want to remind you, we have our City Light Conference from 9 to 12, live streamed on YouTube, answering questions like, where is God? Why would a good God allow a pandemic? How do I trust God in the midst of crisis? What do I do with my anxiety? All sorts of things like that. We want to help you navigate this time biblically as best as possible. So join us, YouTube, 9 to 12. Grab your lighthouse virtually on Zoom or something. There will be discussion questions after each session. And so take some time to prioritize this as we work through the word together this Saturday, April 4th. So today, the title of the message is I Want to Live. All right? Whether you're in your house, wherever you are, turn to your friend, your neighbor, your family member, your kid. Say, I want to live. Say it again. Say, I want to live. The reason we are also shaken by what's happening around us, the reason it really bothers us so much is because it threatens our greatest desire, that I want to live. This is at the very core of who we are to say we want to live. And therefore, when something like this threatens that, and it seems to threaten that at some level for everybody, at obviously worse levels for certain people and at some level for everybody, then everybody begins to think. And that's why fear and anxiety and all of these different things are coming in and they're growing and increasing and getting worse because at the very core of our existence, this statement defines us, I want to live. And so now when I feel like that comes in question, more than it normally is, knowing we all die at some point, but now this is forcing us to consider all of those realities about our life and it makes us struggle because we want to live. And as we prepare for Good Friday, this Friday, and Easter, another reminder as well, we're running a Good Friday service, so join us on YouTube for that. We will learn from the scriptures and our circumstances today and next week about where do we find true life. This is going to be so important for us as we're talking about what God is saying in the midst of our circumstance right now, that the scriptures reveal the truth about what's true about our life, and our circumstances are revealing the lies we have believed. So the scriptures reveal the truth. We see in the scripture the truth of God and what he's saying to us. And now our circumstances are forcing us, our circumstances are revealing the lies that we have believed as opposed to the truth that God has revealed. And so now it's, got, it's gotten into the light, say here's the truth of God in the scriptures. And now the circumstances are revealing the lies I have believed before. And I want to help us think through this week and next week, what does it mean to have true life? What does it mean to even say that? When we say I want to live, what do we mean? What kind of life do we want to live? Does that mean now and forever? What does real life actually mean? These are things that you should be thinking about, that I should be thinking about during this time. So I want to make sure you invite a friend next week, even though we're not meeting in person. Grab them on Zoom, call them on the phone, make sure they're watching this with us uh, because we want to make sure everybody that you know knows the truth about real life. And next week the sermon's called It's a Dead End and it's about how we're seeking real life in dead places. 
And I'm so excited for what God's going to share there. Coming straight out of Luke when the gospel shares the resurrection of Jesus and the angel's like, you're looking in a dead place. He's not here. And so often that's what we do in life. And so I want you to make sure that you're inviting friends to come uh, virtually and listen and engage in the sermon next week. So as we talk about real life today and get ready to jump into the scriptures, I have a, a dad-proof kid illustration. I hope you can see it. The camera's over there, but we'll see. Uh, if you can't see it, you'll get the picture. Uh, when I think about everything we're going to talk about today, I think about the physical, spiritual, emotional, relational burden that we're all holding up. And this burden, the physical, emotional, spiritual, relational burden that comes from the crisis, that comes from the physical side of it, the relational strain, the financial strain, all of that creates this weight we talked about last week that's pressing down on us. And what I was thinking about, even this morning, just as this became more clear and clear and clear, as I was thinking about these things, is that what's the problem for most of us is that all four of these things, physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, are weighing down on us, but many of us don't have the spiritual foundation to hold it up. We don't have the spiritual foundation to hold it up. And so what I want you to see is that the problem is we define life by what we are building with rather than what we are building on. We're defining our life by what we are building with, which is generally physical, relational, mental, and emotional things. I'm building my life with a job, with relationships, with a bank account, et cetera, et cetera. And what we forget is the most important thing isn't what am I building my life with, it's what am I building my life on. And so as we look at the scriptures today and as we look at what real life is, I want you to have this thought in your mind because this, you all know what this is? This is the foundation of a Lego set, okay? It's just a big green block but it has the little Lego dots in it that are necessary and helpful. Now, there's two ways you can build your Legos. One is you can use one of these, and the other way is you cannot, and you can just build something on top of a table with this little thing right here. The one way is fine for a little while, but as soon as some sort of force comes on it, or just a little stress or a little push, right, it's movable. It just moves, you can pick it up, blow it away, any little touch, any little touch, right, knocks it off and it breaks it down. That's just any little touch. It's because it's not put on a foundation. Now, if you put this just simply, a very simple change, you put the same piece and you put it on the holes and you stick it on the foundation, then when you touch it, right, it's not, it doesn't move. You pick it up, it's stable. The difference is simply that I haven't focused on what am I building my life with physical, spiritual, mental, emotional things, which are important, but the primary focus is what am I building my life on? And that's what real life is defined by. And so many of us now in this season of crisis have been revealed, our circumstances have revealed the lies we have believed. And so now the truth of God comes in and reveals what we really need to know and believe. Because now the crisis has come and we have been so focused on defining life by what we are building with, namely things, job account, bank, I mean job, bank account, relationships, spouse, kids, whatever, building my life with, getting skill sets, whatever, and we've defined our life. So when I say what is true life, you begin to describe things you're building your life with as opposed to the thing you are building your life on. And so now the crisis comes, 
the force comes and it reveals that we have defined life wrong. And what I want to get back to today and what we want to see the next two weeks is it's more important what you're building your life on than what you're building your life with. And so the question for so many of you, even as you watch this right now, I know many of you probably, like you're sitting with your roommate, you would never necessarily come to an actual church building with him, but you're sitting there watching this video on a screen on your couch because this is how we're doing church right now, and you're thinking about these things, and and whatever your situation is, I really want you to think about this, man, what are you building your life on? So when we think about how do I describe real life, I think the better question then is what am I building my life on as opposed to what am I building my life with? So even now, as I, as I continue to talk for a few minutes, man, tell, tell somebody around you, man, these are things I'm building my life with. What does it look like to build my life on something else? What are the things you're building your life with now? What does that look like for you? If you were to say, this is what true life looks like for me, what, what adjectives would you use? What nouns would you use? What ideas would you use? And so I really think one of the things the Lord is doing, among a thousand others, is he's shaking the foundations of our life, and he's helping us to see whether we define life by what we're building with or what we're building on. And we want to get back to defining our life and what true life is by what we build on. And so I want to show you just a couple, couple uh, verses from the text. So Luke 20 and Luke 21 As I was reading through uh, Luke 19 through 22, which is the section for this week, uh, as we prepare for the the crucifixion text on Friday and the resurrection text on Sunday, the thing that stood out to me most were two verses. And as I began to think about these two verses, all these other trains of thought began to come uh, like the one we just shared. It's Luke 20, verse 38. It says, now he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. And then Luke 21, 18, and we're going to share context in a minute. It says, not a hair of your head will perish. And what's fascinating, I kept reading Luke 21, 18, because the, the, the part before that says, and some of you will die. But then after that it says, and not a hair of your head will perish. And I just like couldn't get that out of my mind. Like, what? What is he talking about? Some of you will die, but not a hair on your head will perish. And then I began to think about the crisis that we're in the fear and anxiety that comes on our lives because our desire is to live. I want to live. I want real life. I want to live. And so now that gets shaken. And then Jesus comes along in Luke 21, verse 18, exactly the moment that we're in right now. We had planned to be in Luke 19 through 22 this day six months ago. And here we are, Luke 19 through 22, we're reading through it, and Luke 21, 18 just pops off the page, and I think God has a word for us to encourage us, and he's saying to those of you who are in Christ, that not a hair of your head will perish. Isn't that fascinating? Though you may die, not a hair of your head will perish. So we're going to take that central idea and pull it out into two truths, okay? So two simple truths for you today, and we'll be done. Number one... God is life. God is life. When you think about many statements, you've seen shirts, you know, ball is life or whatever it might be. We define life by certain adjectives, certain acts, certain things that we do. And what I want want to remind you of this morning, something very simple, something many of you watching this already know technically and theologically, but maybe something you're not living by, believing in, trusting in. This truth isn't calming you like it's supposed to, fortifying you like it's supposed to, that if we really believed it, we would feel different, think different, be different during this season. The truth, number one, is that God is life. 
He says in Luke 20 through Luke 20 38, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the living. And I want you to put another word there. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and blank. Because the whole point is to say that all who have died in God, in Christ, still live because God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So my, well, the first word that came into my mind was Percy, who's my granddad. My grandfather who passed away several years ago, my dad's dad. And just thinking about that practically, God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Percy. And Percy loved the Lord, he knew the Lord, and he is with the Lord now. And you could put a thousand, million, billions of names in there. I hope you can too from your own family. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and blank. Fill it in. God is the God of the living. God is life. Those who have faithfully followed God in the past, get this, are still enjoying him in the present. I want you to write that down. Get out your notepad or whatever. Those who, are faithfully follow, those who have faithfully followed God in the past are still enjoying him in the present. Why? Because God is life. So to be in God, with God, is to have real, true life. It's because that's not what you build your life with, it's what you build your life on. And so when the things you build your life with go away, which is what happens when you die, right? Everything you built your life with, whether you die now or 50 years from now, goes away, it's gone. But the life that you built on is what remains. And so the question for many of you, are you building your life on something that will stay? On something that will remain beyond this life? Those who have faithfully followed God in the past are still enjoying him in the present because God is life. True life is found in God. Let me show you a few verses about this throughout the Bible just to get some more support here. John 17, 3. You guys want to reference all of these in your Bible. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. This is Jesus praying and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So this is life that you would know God. And particularly know him by knowing Jesus Christ, the son of God who was sent into the world to live, die, and rise again for us. Life is knowing God. Knowing God isn't an addition to life. Knowing God isn't an extra part of your life. Knowing God isn't a box in your life. Knowing God is life, the only life. And without God and without knowing God, we do not have life of any kind. Let me show you another scripture, Colossians 3, 3 through 4. For you have died, and your life, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Where is your life? Your true life, if you're in God, it's with Christ. When Christ, get this, who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You get that? Did you hear that? When Christ, comma, pause, think, who is your life? Not when Christ, who is a part of your life. When Christ, who is a nice addition to your life. When Christ, who is a nice support for your life. No, 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 none of those things. No, when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will appear with him in glory. Christ is the very definition of your life if you are in God. He's not a part of your life. Not an addition to your life, not a support for your life. He is your life. 
God is life. 1 John 4, 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world. Why? So that we might live, how? Through him. Get this. The love of God was made manifest by sending his son into the world. Why? So that we might live through him. Because we find our real life through and in Jesus Christ. There is no other life to be found. God sent his son Jesus so that we might live not just with him, but through him. This is an amazing, amazing scripture. Romans 6.23, this is some many of y'all know. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is, say it in your house, eternal life. Say it again, eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The free gift of God is life. Life is God. Life is from God. God is life. And that's an amazing, amazing truth. And I hope for many of you who are in Jesus, it encourages you, helps you, uplifts you, reminds you, inspires you, fortifies, stabilizes, strengthens you this morning. But for so many of you maybe who are watching this or family members or friends that you know who are watching this, you are not in life with God because you have refused to believe in Jesus. John 5.40, Jesus says this, you refuse to come to me that you may have life. And a rejection of Jesus Christ is a rejection of true life. A rejection of Jesus is not simply a rejection of an idea, a rejection of a religion, a rejection of a philosophy, a rejection of a person, teacher, prophet, figure. No, 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 no. A rejection of Jesus is a rejection of life. To say no to Jesus is to say, I don't want to live. I don't want real life. And so many of you are possibly in that position today, and I want to plead with you to no longer reject Jesus, to no longer stay in your sin, to no longer reject real life, to stop defining your life by what you're building with, but rather by what you built it on, namely Jesus Christ. In this very moment, whether you're alone with a family member, friend, or whatever, you can turn to him. You can repent from your sin, believe in Jesus who lived, died, and rose again for you. You can trust him today and be saved and get real life sitting on your couch right now. And I hope many of you listen to what God's doing in your life and do that now. So the first point, God is life. The second point. Your life is secure. So God is life. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and fill in the blank, the millions and billions of other people who have died in Jesus. He is not the God of the dead, but the living. God is life. Secondly, your life is secure in him. This is the verse I read earlier. Let's read it again. I'm going to start in verse 16, though, Luke 21. You will be delivered up even by parents, brothers, relatives, friends. Some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but here it is, but not a hair of your head will perish. You, some of you, they will put to death, but not a hair of your head will perish. Some of you will be put to death, but not a hair of your head will perish. I just need you to think about that for a second. To think about what that could potentially mean. What is Jesus trying to communicate to his followers? 
want you to write this down. If God is your life, if God is life, then your life is secure if it is in God. If God is life, then your life is secure if it is in God. To those of you who are trusted in Jesus and are following him, no matter what happens to you with corona or anything else in your life, some of you, right, may be put to death. All of us will eventually die. Some of us may die sooner than we expect, but surely will. But not a hair of your head will perish. You say, I want to live. And Jesus says, good, because you can. This is an amazing truth that should encourage us and strengthen us and help us today that Jesus looks at his followers and in the midst of persecution, trials, struggles, pestilences, famines, people, evil people doing evil things against them, whether it's nature, people, whatever, in the midst of living on this earth, in the midst of trials, struggles, problems, in the midst of death, he says to them, hey, some of you they'll put to death, some of you will be hated for me, but not a hair of your head will perish. So just be encouraged. If you're in Christ, right, the worst, you could catch COVID, but not a hair of your head would perish. This is the point. Get in a car accident, not a hair of your head will perish. You could die earlier than you thought, not a hair of your head will perish. You could get something terrible, not a hair of your head will perish. Because true life is not what you build your life with. It's what you have been building your life on. And though the things you're building your life with, everything you can see, gets taken away by a disease or by a car accident or by any other thing that could happen to any of us at any point in time, Jesus is saying, even though that may happen and could happen, your life is not found in the things you've been building your life with, but the thing you have built your life on, the name of Jesus. And that life, that life that is hidden with Christ in God, that life that is visible to the spiritual eye right now, that life that has been gifted to you by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that life is untouchable, indestructible. That life will never be changed. And that's the life that you have if you're in Jesus. So no matter what may happen to you, Christian, no matter what may happen to you, follower of Jesus, whether it happens now, five years from now, 50 years from now, whether it's a little bit terrible, somewhat terrible, or super duper terrible, whatever it may be and however it may come to you, you should know and constantly remember that no matter what happens, not a hair of your head will perish because your true life in real life is not what you've been building your life with, but what you build your life on. And so I hope that helps and strengthens you today. Your life is secure. God is life and your life is secure. And as we close out, I just want to show you one more verse that I think has been probably the word of the hour for me from verse 13. It's simply this. He says, this will be your opportunity to bear witness. Opportunity. I think so often when we look at what's happening in the world around us, we call, we say, obstacles. We look at the struggle, the trial, the crisis, the death, the disease, the financial problems, the issues, and we say obstacles. And that's what's happening here. Famines, pestilences, terrors, some will persecute you, lay their hands on you, deliver you up. And this environment will be your opportunity to bear witness. Isn't that amazing? That's why he says in verse 14, hey, go ahead and make up your mind, therefore, to not worry about what you're going to say or do. 
Just make up your mind. He's saying, I'm going ahead and tell you there are hard times ahead, and there's going to be crazy times ahead. But precisely because there are hard times ahead, that's why there's an opportunity ahead. So that's why even as we look around us and we say, man, this is terrible and I wish it would all just go away tomorrow and all of that. But as long as it's here and as long as the trial remains, it is not just an obstacle, it is an opportunity. Jesus looks at his followers and says, in the midst of all of that, famines, pestilences, terrors, I want you to remember that this is your opportunity to bear witness. And so, so many of you, first and foremost, have been doing this, City Light. You guys have lived up to this. It is so awesome to help lead you and be with you in this. I'm so thankful for this church. And I want to continue to remind us that this situation that we are in is not just something to get through to the other side. It's something to join God in because right now is the opportunity. The harvest is plentiful. People need Jesus. People are awakened to the reality that they don't control their lives. People are sensitive to what God is doing and the afterlife and all of those things. So I want to consistently put that word in your mind. In the midst of your struggle, no matter how deep or difficult it may be, first of all, not a hair on your head will perish. But secondly, in the midst of your struggle, no matter how deep or difficult it may be, whether it's physical, spiritual, mental, or emotional, because you have that spiritual foundation that you're building your life on, this is your opportunity. This is your time. This is it. This is the hour. So individual Christian, whoever's listening to this, rise up. Be strengthened in the Lord. Take advantage of every opportunity that you have to bear witness. Now is the time. And for us as City Light Church, as we continue to serve and do drive-through deliveries, and we call serving and social distancing, and as we continue to try to live that out together at City Light, may we continue to have that word in our minds that this is not simply an obstacle, but it's an opportunity. Because God is our life, and for those that are in Christ, not a hair on your head will perish. Won't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We thank you. We thank you that this is true, Lord, that you are life, that our life is found in you, and that it's most important, God, what we build our life on, not what we build our life with. We thank you that you are a strong foundation. We thank you that you are the God of the living. We thank you, Lord, that you watch over your people and that you have given us a true life, a hidden life, an untouchable life in Jesus. I pray, God, that you would strengthen your people today. I pray, God, that those listening to this that don't have life in you would receive life in you by believing in your name this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would use this greatly to guide your people and that we would see this time not just as an obstacle, Lord, but as an opportunity to bear witness. So may you help us do that. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.